Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Jana Panaritis, and you're listening to the AgeWise podcast, where we give you strategies for aging well and wisely. And how do you do that when on top of struggling to meet the demands of your own life, you're also caring for an aging parent or a spouse, or maybe you're caring for another member of your family? Well, we're here to help. Each week, we'll hear from the experts, professionals in the field of aging, and people like you, unsung heroes rising to the occasion of caring for a loved one and finding unexpected rewards along the way. So stick around for some straight talk on aging in all its unpredictable glory. Adult children go to great lengths to take care of their aging parents, often at a moment's notice and under circumstances they're totally unprepared for. The majority of those adult children are women, but men also pull their weight. And today we're going to talk with one of them. His name is George Brandetsis, and he's the grown son of Jim and Mary Brandetsis, and he's here to share his caregiving story, and he joins us from Sunnyvale, California. George Brandetsis, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Janet. Thanks for inviting me. So, full disclosure, your parents were my godparents, and I adored your parents. They were so much fun. Just to put this in context for the listeners, can you talk a little bit about growing up in Palmyra, New York? So, growing up was kind of interesting because, you know, we were a Greek family, and we stayed in contact with all the other Greek families in the area. There was nobody in Palmyra, but, you know, we had relatives and distant relatives all over New York State, and in fact, in your family right. uh, down in, uh, in Maryland. And um, my dad was a dentist and also a cartoonist. So he, uh, yeah, so he yeah. retired from dentistry, moved to Florida with my mom, and became a, 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 almost a full-time cartoonist, did a lot of cartoons for a lot of national uh, magazines and publications. So let's put you in the birth order. Are you the youngest? I forget. Yeah, I'm the youngest. Joan is in the middle and Anne, Anne is the eldest, yes. Okay, I thought so. And your dad, well, both of your parents were really, really interesting people. Your dad in particular was a very colorful figure. He served in World War II and the Korean War. And I know that cartooning right. was his passion. And he had an offer to work with Disney. Is that right? He did, but his parents made him go to uh, dental school. So <laughs> he had to become a, either a, den- a dentist or a doctor. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, so, but he did cartooning all through. I mean, he had stuff in the Stars and Stripes when, during World War II and, uh, and then later on in, uh, in USA Today. And he attended the National Press Club for cartoonists every year. Oh, wow. Uh, well, actually, he, didn't att- he only attended, I think, once or twice because it was too hard for him to go. But he was invited every year, and his cartoons were featured along with a lot of, uh, you know, famous cartoonists like Gary Trudeau and other ones like that. So, <laughs> And they would auction them. It was a charity event, and they would auction off the cartoons. Uh-huh. I remember getting letters from him with cartoons on the front of the envelope. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I have hundreds of them. In fact, I have a couple of cartoon books. It's about retired life in Florida, so you're you know, your listeners may be interested in that, too. So your dad died a couple of years ago, and he was 94. Is that right? Uh, 95. 95. Okay. That's a nice, it's a good age, you know? Nobody wants to die, but it's a good age. So what happened? fairly healthy, too. They were, well, he, they were, my mom and dad were both in pretty good shape. Uh, I mean, for that age, and at 94, he was still driving his car. And I went out and I wow. test drove with him. I thought, I said, Dad, you can't drive anymore. And he did fine. I mean, he's to- he was totally aware. He, uh, he just had heart trouble and just, just his heart gave out one day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was, he, you know, he had the same kind of ailments that all our parents get, uh, you know, uh, 
you know, hip replacement and pacemaker and all that stuff that you got to take care of. Mm -hmm. But overall, both my mom and dad up into their, you know, early 90s were capable of taking care of themselves. They actually led quite a social life, too. Well, Naples is a pretty social place. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. So you, yeah, a lot of retired Greeks down there too. So yeah. they, they really enjoyed it. So right. Yeah. So yeah. you were in California. Did you get that call when your dad died, and how did that unfold? Yeah, actually, it was actually a couple years earlier because he had an operation, and my mom couldn't take care of him. So I, I went out to to Florida, and this started the whole process for about, about the last four years or so. My sister Joan and I continuously flew back and forth. She's in New York. She would fly to Florida for a while. I would fly back, and we tried to stay with them because they needed help while they were going through. My mom broke her hip too. And plus she had colon cancer also. So she went through chemotherapy when she was around 90. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so uh, yeah, in fact, the doctor didn't want to give her chemotherapy. She goes, I don't recommend it for elderly, elderly patients. Mm-hmm. She got mad at him and he looked at it. He goes, you know, for, for 90, he goes, I would have never guessed you're 90 years old. I'm going to make an exception mm-hmm. and, uh, and put you through the treatment. And she did pretty well. Mm-hmm. She did actually really well, but their cancer resurfaced, you know, about four years later. It, and then it was then there was not much they could do. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so the last four years, my sister and I spent a lot of time in Florida. I, I used all my vacation. I got family leave. I spent three to four months a year in Florida, you know, helping them out. My sister and I would be down there together too because it's tough being by yourself, as as you know. So yeah, so it made life a lot easier. She took the lion's share of it. She was down there probably a good six months out of the year. Oh I wow! Think on and off. So yeah. you were working at Oracle at the time, and are you still yes. working there? Yeah, I am. In fact, I just went back. You know, Oracle was great. They were totally supportive. I got a lot of time off. I took a lot of personal leave off too, mm-hmm. personal time, and uh, besides vacation and family leave. They told me take as much time as I need, which was nice and probably unusual. Yeah, the family medical leave was unpaid, I take it. You can make about six weeks, they'll pay you, but it's just a small percentage of your salary. Mm-hmm. So, but it's still something, right? But then, mm-hmm. you know, but the, the big idea is, is, I think, is that you're protected class. So you, can, you can go 12 weeks right. of family leave without any impact to your job, right? Which is, which is that's, that's important. Right. Your job is protected even if you're not getting paid during those 12 right. weeks, right? Yeah. Right. So your dad yeah. died in 2014. And how did your mom fare after that? I mean, she was alone. Yeah. Yeah. So we still spent a lot of time with her. But she was alone, and she became kind of depressed. I don't think she ever admitted it. And she stopped going out. Mm -hmm. Uh, She had a few friends she would see, but her friends were aging too, and they were going through the same thing. And so one by one, they all kind of lost contact with each other. So so last year, she was on her own completely, and we had some great neighbors Mm -hmm. who spent a lot of time with her. They'd check on her every day and make sure she was eating, eating all right and taking her medicine, and they'd take her to the store when she stopped driving. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was just recently. <laughs> and then when she got real sick, she got to the point where she needed 24-hour care. We moved her up to Rochester, New York. And she was very resistant, too, about that. Uh, we tried for those two years, you know, we tried to get her to move, and she wouldn't do it. She didn't want to leave Florida. Yeah, I can't I'm, blame not, her. I'm not, I can't blame her either. Yeah. Well, did you and, look uh, into options in the area? Yeah, we did, but we decided that it didn't make sense because we wanted her to be near one of us, right, uh-huh. either in Rochester or California. And California was quite a bit more expensive, so New York was a better better choice. And we did take her down to a few places, but she was very stubborn, and she refused to go into uh, an assisted or independent living. She goes, I can take care of myself. And it wasn't until she realized that she couldn't, and that was close to the end. I mean, that was only like three months before she, she passed that she realized that she, she could not take care of herself anymore. 
And then she agreed to go to independent living. <laughs> I'm amazed so, that she qualified for independent living at that age and in her condition. We were lucky there because she was okay by then. She could walk around by herself and she could still do things like brush her teeth or go to the bathroom by herself. Mm-hmm. And they said, as long as she can do that, then, you know, we're okay with that. But after about two weeks, she was there. She went down here real fast. And that's where we all just, I decided I was just going to stay there. And so I lived with her in the, in the independent living. She, she slept on the couch and I slept in the bedroom. Right. <laughs> so. that's, that's a really interesting little piece of information that you just dropped there. <laughs> yeah. But first of all, let's make it clear to the listeners that your dad died in 2014 in October, and then your mom just died in August of 2016. So... She right. hasn't been gone that long. And right. so you moved into the independent living facility with her. And right. how did that unfold? Paint that picture for us. Well, <laughs> so, so we moved her in the beginning of June, I believe. And uh, yeah, so they were, they were really nice and they were very supportive. And they, you know, they tried to get her to come down to, you know, socialize and go to the cafeteria. Then she, at that point, she just was depressed and didn't want to leave at all. So they, I mean, I said they were really good. They brought her food every day. And whether mm-hmm. or not we were there, we weren't there 24 hours immediately. And this was in uh, Rochester, right? This is in Rochester, okay. right. So we got a new oncologist there and we took her in it was about a week after we arrived and the oncologist after the test she says i'm going to recommend hospice and that was kind of uh that was was like devastating for all of us yeah you know we just we'd never expected that i mean she wasn't complaining at all and she would still have a glass of wine with me at you know in the afternoon and Uh we'd watch tv together and she could do i mean she was fun to be around even then we had had a lot of good times we watched a lot of a lot of shows and Uh (laughs) you know we binge watched Downton Abbey and uh, and Doc, Doc Martin uh-huh. and even Breaking Bad. <laughs> so <Wow. was> into <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. So um, yeah. So anyway. So at that point, hospice. Once hospice came in, we we were allowed a caregiver to come in to help her bathe and do things like that. And so that gave us a little break because you know I, I stayed there most of the time, and my sister was there too. She'd give me a break. Then later on in the last few weeks, because um, she needed twenty four by seven care by then. Mm-hmm. And we hired another person to come in for a few hours. So we got breaks throughout the time. I mean, I know you know this. That's a hard thing, you know, to do 24-hour care for an aging parent, for someone who's sick or Alzheimer's. Or, uh-huh. I mean, I've got some friends who are doing it now, and it's, it's difficult. You were living in the same room with your mom, though, in independent living. Is that right? Yeah, and she liked the couch, and she didn't want to get off the couch. So Wait, she was sleeping and... on the couch, and you were in the bedroom? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> George. yeah, yeah. <laughs> was she like that? I know. I sound like a terrible son. <laughs> uh, yeah, she, no, she refused. She didn't want to go in the bedroom. She okay. goes, I want to stay out here, I, whatever reasons. And so, hmm. so, so you know, she was comfortable on the couch. And at that point, too, you know, um, she was being medicated, and she slept a lot, mm-hmm. uh, and she just, you know, and it made sense. So, you know, she'd rather have us around and watch TV. She would sleep all day, mm-hmm. and we were watching the Olympics. And after about eight hours of the Olympics, I'd get tired, and I'd, I'd, I'd change it to a movie. Mm-hmm. And she woke up. She goes, why'd you change the Olympics? I want to watch Michael Phelps. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, I'll put oh. it back, Mom. <laughs> oh. And how old Sorry, was she Dad. at that you point? Know, yeah. How old was she when she died? Well, 95, yeah. She was 95. Okay, she, and, and she how old are you? She just turned 95, yeah. And how old are you? How old am I? Yeah. 65. You're 65. Yeah. Okay, so what was that like for you? I mean, you basically checked out of your professional life and your family life, right? Because you're married. Yeah, that's, that's right. And you yeah. just well, completely my wife checked is out. extremely supportive. Uh-huh. Yeah, my wife is supportive. She's starting to go through that now with her parents, but my wife would be mad at me if I did not do that. She believes in 
taking care of your parents. So that's, you know, cause, and I'll do the same for hers. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of where we are. But, and then like I said, work was, work was great. I mean, they, you know, they got other people. I, I was doing a lot of, a lot of, uh, cause you know, my age, you start to do special projects, right? So right. I, I would have projects who would go three, four months mm-hmm. and they would get some, either postpone them or get someone else in to, to finish them up. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And, and I worked with a team that, you know, we back each other up too. So it was, it was great. I mean, everybody I worked with was, uh, was, was terrific. Mm-hmm. You were more or less ripped out of your familiar environment, and you went into. Actually, you went back to your hometown. I'm. How long yeah, had it been since you'd right. been there, and what was that like for you? Well, it'd been a long time. I, I you know, I visited about six years before that, and before that, maybe oh, another almost six years, and. Mm-hmm. So I think about yeah about every six years I go there for a few days and that okay. was it. So okay. it was good in a lot of ways because I reconnected with a lot of friends that I hadn't seen for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that I always lacked in Rochester was Mexican food, and there turned out to be a great Mexican restaurant right behind the independent living facility. <laughs> so I'd call up every day. I call up and I get a takeout, and that that was my dinner. You know, I'd, I'd walk uh-huh. over there and I'd get some Mexican food, and uh, and overall it was good. I mean, every you know, I mean, I loved being in Rochester again. And I was able to get out because because my sister was there. We had, you know, the hospice caregiver, and I was able to get out quite a bit, which was good. So you guys tag-teamed each other? Right, right. Uh-huh. What was the hardest part for you? You know, not knowing, not really knowing what to do. I mean, the whole aspect of getting care, and it's expensive, right? And that was one of the reasons why I decided to stay there. It was cheaper for me to take a leave of absence and live in Rochester rather than, than hire someone full-time to take care of or put her into, a, you know, into assisted living or managed care. Wasn't independent living part of a retirement facility, or, so to speak? Or was it, it was, some, yeah. yeah. yeah we, we could have moved her in, but, it, but it, was, uh, it was quite expensive if we moved her into the managed. She couldn't go into the assisted living uh-huh. at that stage uh, mm-hmm. because she couldn't. She, I think there's a state law that, that she can't, you have to be able to go down the cafeteria. Oh, okay. Even if it's in a wheelchair. Interesting, okay. And I think they, they do that so there's no elder abuse um, or people are starving. So we had to leave her in, in the independent side. And they said that that's common. Interesting. You know, so, yeah. And yeah, the independent maybe, living side yeah. was less expensive? Quite existed. a bit, yeah, hmm, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, quite a bit. It was probably, well, it was probably about a two-thirds the cost of assisted living, but it was considerably less than managed care, which she would have needed managed care, which is basically a, a hospital room, right? A skilled nursing, and she wouldn't have liked probably, that. is sort of the equivalent, y- Yeah, skilled right? nursing. Skilled yeah, nursing, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? So you kind of crafted this scenario for yourselves that physically worked for her and you yeah, and also yeah. financially worked right, to right. your advantage. Yeah. Plus, you know, we were about, actually, I was, had started the process to apply for the veterans. My dad was a combat vet. So, mm-hmm. you know, so he was eligible for the veterans uh, subsidy and, and we were in the process of applying for that. And, and, you know, we got to the point we knew it wasn't going to be much longer. So I didn't bother going through it. Mm-hmm. When you were living with your mom, did you have a sense of how long it would last, and what were you thinking? I mean, no, we did, had no idea. Yeah, it was like a week by week changes, you know, intense changes we saw week to week, and and uh, even ten days before she passed, you know, she wasn't complaining at all. She didn't want to do anything. She didn't want to leave, but she goes, "Oh, just let's watch some TV." She would, she'd eat a little bit. Mm-hmm. She didn't like the hospital food, you know, because we all cook. Right, <laughs> and, of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, I almost had an interesting experience. When I first got there, I was going to make her some dinner, like a beef bourguignon or something, which she likes. So I turned the oven on, and a few minutes later, the whole oven started smoking. Like, <gasps> uh, there was the whole 
little apartment filled up with smoke, and I was mm-hmm. worried. I was, okay, well, I'm going to get 250 seniors evacuated in about five minutes. Right. <laughs> So I opened up all the windows and, and my mom started complaining. She says, it's freezing outside. It's in the middle of the summer. It's freezing. Turn the air conditioner off. I go, mom, I got to air out the place. Luckily, I, I was able to air it out and, and uh, didn't set off any alarms. Oh, my God. So did you but, regularly uh, yeah, cook so, for your mom? No, we, the facilities were too small. So we, right. we stopped, but we did get some takeout that she liked. You know, the food at the facility, it's not bad, but it's it's kind of bland, you know. Uh, yeah. you know but then actually, it wasn't much longer that she basically refused to eat. And the only thing she would eat is maybe some toast, a little soup. You know, not you know, not much. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. a handful at best a day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was that yeah. hard for you to watch? It was. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was difficult. Uh, it, I mean, if you've never done it before, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, even know if you have, if it would be any easier. Yeah. But yeah, it was difficult. But I was happy in a lot of ways. I was happy that she went quickly because, you know, she was in pain in the last week or so quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And we were giving her morphine at that time that... But she wasn't happy either because she was a very vibrant person. And, you know, even the a previous year when she was still driving, I mean, she had she would love go, to go to the beach and have a cocktail, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, so her and I used to do that all the time. So, you know, the thing is, so she, she wasn't happy either. So it was, in some mm-hmm. way, it's a blessing that she went quickly. Mm-hmm. Were you and your yeah. sister Joan both present when she passed? We were. Yeah, we were at that point. Joan was spending most of the time there, but she would she would go home for a few hours at night. And, and it was that one day I told her, I said, you know, I think you better stay because I think this is it. How did you know? And it was, so yeah, I just could tell she became very unresponsive. And mm-hmm. I mean, you go through all the, the, the hospice gives you a book, mm-hmm. a little pamphlet of what to expect. And they're, they're right on. I mean, it's, that's hmm. a, you can, you know, that's, that's a step-by-step hmm. guide of, of, of how it happens. Wow. And so, yeah, so we were both there, which was nice. Mm-hmm. And what about your sister in Greece? Well, uh, Anne, yeah, she she wanted to come out, but it was difficult for her because um, it's a long ways, and she has two grandchildren she babysits, and uh, you know both her son and daughter have kids, mm-hmm. and so she Anne came out and spent about three months the year before in two thousand and fifteen. She came out, and spent about three or four months with them. It, that was hard for her because she had to leave the kids and mm-hmm. made everything difficult. So, mm-hmm. so, oh, but it was hard for her too to be away when your mom died. It was, yeah. She wanted to come out, but they um, said it was just it was just too difficult for. Her. And now your your parents still have the condo in Naples, right? That's right. It's yeah. still there. So what's next, and what's going on with this? Is all very recent, fairly recent. So yeah, yeah. So we're we we don't know yet. We're we're probably going to put it, you know, probably put it up for sale. Joan and I went and cleaned it out, mm-hmm. which is oh, which is another thing that yeah, that's that's uh, that was that that was a good hard three weeks. And when was uh, that? Uh, packing up all their clothes. and mm-hmm. I'm sorry, when was that? Yeah, when did that happen? About a month ago. So it was uh, mid-September, rather. Mid-September. Mid-September. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, and, you've been uh, logging a lot of frequent flyer miles. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Not to make light of yeah, it, it was, but... Uh, so the two of yeah. you went into the condo. That must have been hard. Did you keep stuff? It was, yeah. Mm-hmm. After, yeah, yeah. I mean, they'd been there for... I, 25 years and my mom collected all kinds of stuff and clothes and uh, mm-hmm. tons and tons of, of, I mean, we spent, you know, like I said, a couple of weeks of just going down to Goodwill. Mm-hmm. Um, and did you hire anybody to help you at any point? No, no, mm-hmm. we didn't. Not, not with that. No, we just did it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not with that, but. Well, we did, we, we did have uh, like some local church charities come over and pick up some furniture and things like that. So uh-huh. it's nice that you had another sibling involved. 
I couldn't have done it myself. That's tough. Yeah, very hard. Yeah. So you mentioned that Joan, your sister, was going to be retrieving some documents in a safe deposit box. <laughs> what are some of the yeah. things that, like other people listening to the show, should know that maybe you didn't know or that you learned along the way that would be helpful? Yes. Well, you know, they had. We thought we'd all taken care of this. You know, my my dad had set up a trust, but he had never followed through with it. Never put anything in it. So. I've been taking care of their finances for like the four, last four or five years. And, uh, and I noticed that. So I got a lawyer down there to, to, to finish the trust. And that was four years ago, I think. Hmm. So we had the trust. I thought everything was done deal, but then I, but so they had a safety deposit box and then there were, was, uh, was an abstract to a piece of property. They still own up in New York. Oh, and also, uh, also, did you uh, know about wills. that? And I, we found Well, we knew about the, we knew about the property, property. but I didn't uh-huh. know we're going to sell the property, but, I didn't know we needed the abstract. So, uh-huh, so, uh-huh. so we could have had a title search done again, but plus we needed the wills. We needed the actual wills, not copies of them, which we didn't have. So yeah. So any documents, whatever documents you have, I mean, we, I don't know why I left them down there. I just wasn't thinking. So my sister Joan had to, she's down there right now. She mm-hmm. flew in this morning to go pick them up. She flew into Naples. And how long will she be there? Just for a couple of days. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And it's a good thing you knew where that safe deposit box was, huh? And that you knew yeah, about it. Yeah. So did yeah, you? We knew about that. Yeah, I was, I was on the, uh, the list, the ownership. Right, the right. You know, yeah. your parents and mine, too, were from that generation that really didn't talk about death and didn't talk, not that we talk about all the time, but we're boomers. So no. yeah. Did, so you never talked about any of this with your parents. I know that my dad, no. I didn't really talk about it at all. I think my both my parents thought they were going to live forever. Right. <laughs> yeah, and and we did too. <laughs> and know. we did too, we as their children. Yeah. Right, as yeah. their children. Yeah. So how have you changed, yeah. do you think, through this whole process, if at all? Yeah, I, I have in the sense that I'm going to make sure that I've got that stuff prepared. Uh, in fact, uh, um, now I'm looking at a lawyer to do a trust for me because I don't have one. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> And make sure all the, you know, everything that's, that's needed is done and plus cleaning out the house, which I think is a big thing because that's hard. Yeah. Uh, not only hard because it's a lot of work, but it's a lot, of, a lot of memories. I mean, Jonah and I would sit there and I mean, every, every corner we turned, there was a hundred things that made us think about, you know, our childhood growing up, you know, with, you know, all kinds of things. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it would have been a lot easier <laughs> if it was down to a handful of things, you know, it would have been, you know, but it was, yeah, it was, it was difficult. It was difficult yeah. going through the house. Yeah. yeah, and you have a you have a son, right? Yes, I you, do. Is that your that's your only child? That's right. And how yeah. old is he? He's twenty six. He's twenty six. So twenty five. Twenty five. Twenty five. Okay. So you yeah. think he's going to take care of you when you're older? <laughs> yeah, we we give him a hard time all the time. That now he's got you know parents to take care of all by himself. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's a so. tough road to tough road to hoe for an only child. It is. Yeah, <laughs> no guilt. Yeah, no I, pressure. I, 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 yeah, I totally sympathize. You know? I, said, I, I mean, Joan and I said many times we were very glad that we had each other to rely on. It's very difficult to do it by yourself. Yeah. So have yeah. You, did you talk about all this stuff more with your son since your parents passing? Have you kind of opened up the conversation yeah. a little bit more? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we talk about it quite a bit, actually. He's privy to everything that went on, so he, he knows what he's in store for. <laughs> and how is he handling that? How's he responding? Oh, he, he, he does well. He, does, he, he handles it well. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, listen, do you have any last thoughts? I would love for you to share any other thoughts that might be helpful for listeners or anything that you learned that you haven't shared already. 
the big thing that I feel now is I have a lot of sympathy for people that are going through this with their mm-hmm. parents, where mm-hmm. I didn't realize before. In fact, I have a, somebody I know actually had a nervous breakdown. Oh. Uh, his dad has Alzheimer's, and his dad just was, became intolerable, would yell at him all the time and tell him he was worthless. Oh. I've got another friend. He goes to Indiana from California to Indiana about every other month and spends a month with his mom. So he and his sister, they trade off. So mm-hmm. I may I haven't told him yet, but I'm going to, in the springtime, if he, I'm going to fly out and spend a week with him while he's there. They got his mom an apartment. She's, she's in good shape, but she has Alzheimer's, so she needs someone around all the time. But I'll spend some time with him because uh, it is difficult. I mean, it can be very isolating not being able to leave a, a room for seven days straight, right? Yeah. You've got to stay there. I mean, you know, maybe you get out for an hour here and there, but so we all have friends who are going through the same thing. And I know a few people that are taking care of their parents full time and it's difficult. So we can also help our friends. <laughs> yeah. Good point. George Brandetsis, thank you so much for being on the show. George uh, lives in Sunnyvale, California with his very supportive wife and super supportive son. George, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate your perspective. Yep. Thank you very much. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another new episode. In the meantime, if you don't want to miss any episodes, head on over to the AgeWise website. That's A-G-E-W-Y-Z dot com. And subscribe to the podcast. We've got lots of great interviews and links to information you can use. The AgeWise podcast is produced by me, Jana Panaritis. So if you'd like to be on the show or just tell us what you think about it, send an email to Jana at AgeWise.com. Remember, every caregiver has a story. I want to hear yours.